Okay, we are now in the middle of a sermon series on the last things that Jesus taught his disciples before he was arrested, crucified, and rose again from the dead. We're looking through John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13, all the way to chapter 17. And this portion of the Bible is often referred to as the farewell address of Jesus. That's the sermon series we are in, and this morning we're going to be looking at John chapter 16, verse 5 to 15. It'll come up for us on screen. I'm going to read it for us. John chapter 16, verses 5 to 15. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, Jesus said, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, Jesus said. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. As we've been walking through John chapter 13 to 17 for a few weeks now, we've been zooming in on all that Jesus taught his disciples about the Holy Spirit in his farewell address. Uh, In this passage, in these references, in these passages, Jesus is introducing the Holy Spirit to his disciples. And so quite obviously, what Jesus is telling his disciples is foundational teaching about the Holy Spirit. There is more teaching about the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. We can see that in the book of Acts, the book of Romans, the book of Corinthians, the book of Galatians, Timothy... But all of these teachings have actually been built on this foundational teaching that Jesus taught his disciples in his farewell address. And so these are very important. And we must never lose sight of these foundational teachings of the Holy Spirit as we develop our understanding and our experience of the Holy Spirit. Followers of Jesus um, quite often make two mistakes when it comes to the Holy Spirit. The first mistake, the first error, is to to pay mere lip service to the Holy Spirit. To say we believe in the Holy Spirit, they believe, they say they believe in the Holy Spirit, this group of people. But they have no real experience of the Spirit. In some ways, even though they they confess their faith in the Holy Spirit, in many ways, they resist the work of the Holy Spirit. They'll put the Holy Spirit in a box, and they'll expect the Holy Spirit 
to remain in that box. That's the first error that followers of Christ make about the Holy Spirit. The second error that followers of Christ often make about the Holy Spirit is to have an unbalanced, a biblically unbalanced view of the Holy Spirit, which is to focus too much to overemphasize spiritual gifts and the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit, all the signs and wonders and all of that, but to completely underemphasize other crucial aspects of how the Holy Spirit illuminates God's word to us or how the Holy Spirit transforms our character to become more and more like Jesus or how the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. And so at the end of the sermon, I'm hoping to give us a biblical framework for each of us to evaluate if our understanding and experience of the Holy Spirit is true and balanced. And this is the goal of the sermon, to help us develop a true and biblical understanding and experience of the Holy Spirit. But first, I'd like to draw three things for us from the passage. Who is the helper of the Holy Spirit? When did the helper come? And what did the helper do? Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the helper or the paraclete or the comforter. Who is the helper? When did the helper come? What does the helper do? Three things. Let's start with the first. Who is the helper? In the last two to three weeks, we've been talking a lot about the paraclete, which is the Greek word used for the word helper in this passage. We've been talking a lot about the paraclete. And so if I were to ask you, who is this paraclete or who is this helper? We would all say the Holy Spirit. And that would be correct, but we would need to qualify that answer. The Holy Spirit is actually the second helper, the second paraclete. The first paraclete is Christ himself. Look at John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Jesus doesn't say he'll give you a helper. He says, my Father will give you another helper who will be with you forever. When Jesus says he will send another helper, and if he's sending another helper, obviously there's a first helper. Only then will he, that's, the only, that's why he says another helper. And of course, the first helper, therefore, is Christ himself. Christ is the first paraclete. Christ is the first comforter of our souls. Christ is the first counselor. And when Christ goes away, he sends another counselor, another comforter to be with us always. And that's the first thing I wanted to draw out for, the, from the, for us from this passage. Who is the helper? Here's what I'd li- like to look at next. When did this helper come? Jesus says something extremely intriguing in this passage. I've always wondered about this. Every time I've read this passage before, and I, I think many of you would have wondered about this as well. And that's there in verse 7. Verse 7, it'll come up for us on screen. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, Jesus said. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. 
If I do not go away, Jesus said, the helper or the Holy Spirit will not come to you. That, that's intriguing, isn't it? But why? Why is it that the Holy Spirit cannot come until Jesus goes away? This is an extremely important question. And if we understand the answer to this question, then we have understood the primary work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in the world. Why can't the Holy Spirit come unless Christ goes away? Is there some uh, metaphysical reality that says that Jesus and the Holy Spirit cannot be on the earth at the same time? Not at all. That's not at all the point here. So what is the point? Why is it that the Holy Spirit or the helper cannot come till Jesus goes away? The answer to the question is right here in the passage in verse 14, where Jesus says, He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me. The primary work of the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, the primary work of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. Verse 14, He will glorify me. Talking about this verse, John Piper, who is one of the most respected theologians and pastors in the world, he says that this verse, 14, John chapter 16, verse 14, the Holy Spirit will glorify Christ. This verse, John Piper says, is the most important sentence about the work of the Holy Spirit in the entire Bible. And John Piper is not cessationist, for those of you who understand some insider language um, in, in the church. The reason the Holy Spirit comes to earth, the reason He dwells within us, as the Bible assures us, is that He comes to dwell in us to glorify Christ in and through us. You see, the primary work, the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. But if you really think about it, Jesus could not have been fully glorified till he died and rose again. Jesus assumes the full glory. Christ receives the full glory only after he dies on the cross and rises again from the dead. And that is why Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will not come till Christ goes back to the Father. We all know that there is only one way for Christ to go back to his Father. And that is through the cross on which he was crucified. Listen, glorifying Christ is so important to the Holy Spirit that he sees no point in dwelling in men and women till Christ was crucified and risen. The Holy Spirit came to us only so that he could glorify Christ in and through us. John chapter 7 verse 39 puts it like this. Now this he said, Jesus said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet 
the spirit the holy spirit had not been given because jesus was not yet glorified the spirit was not yet given because jesus was not yet glorified and you could well read this very well read this and say that the holy spirit had not yet been given because jesus was not glorified by being crucified for our sins for every one of your sins and mine and that he would rise again from the dead and so the most important thing in the bible to remember about the holy spirit is that the holy spirit glorifies christ jesus sadly we live in a time where there there are a lot of false teachings about the holy spirit bordering sometimes even on hysteria and so this passage gives us a biblical framework to distinguish between what is really the true work of the holy spirit and what is the fake work of the holy spirit jesus warned us that in the last days there will be fake miracles there will be fake prophets that there will be fake christ and so we need to be watchful and wary and one way we can discern between the true work and the of the holy spirit and the false work or so called work of the holy spirit is that the holy spirit will always glorify jesus any ministry that that is any so called ministry of the holy spirit where christ is not clearly glorified is questionable the holy spirit according to the bible and according to what christ tells us very clearly the holy spirit will never glorify himself the holy spirit will always only glorify christ so any ministry that glorifies the holy spirit and pushes christ to the sidelines is seriously questionable if someone calls you to a holy spirit meeting and if you choose to go expect jesus to be glorified there expect jesus to be the hero of every holy spirit meeting if christ is not glorified in what is called a holy spirit meeting then that meeting is questionable we need to discern and be watchful if you watch any sermon online or if you watch any so called holy spirit seminar or event online expect christ to be glorified there expect christ to hold the center stage of every work of the holy spirit if christ is not glorified it is questionable the holy spirit will never ever bypass christ the holy spirit will always glorify christ I can say this with confidence because as we saw earlier the holy spirit did not come to live in us till the point after the death and the resurrection of Christ where Christ could be fully glorified the mission of the holy spirit the true mission of the holy spirit the true ministry of the holy spirit is quite evident from the time of his entry in the new testament after the death and the resurrection of Christ so the holy spirit could come to the earth be in our hearts and glorify christ in our hearts and in this world that's the second thing i wanted to draw out the third thing i wanted to draw out from this passage is what does this helper do what does this helper do the holy spirit glorifies christ 
We've already seen that. The Holy Spirit does not do anything except glorify Christ. But how exactly does the Holy Spirit glorify Christ? And that's what we're going to be looking at in the last part of this sermon. Before I dive into the last part, let me take a minute to talk to you if you are who we would call an explorer. An explorer is someone who's interested in Jesus. Maybe this is your first or second time in a church. Maybe you're curious about Jesus. Maybe you've read something about Jesus and you're interested in knowing a little bit more. And some of this, some of what I've been saying might be a little over your head. Might be a little confusing or a little unfamiliar. So let me really simplify this for your sake. God, as if you remember from the call to worship, we read our proclamation of faith in the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three and yet one. God loved us so much. And God also knew that we could never come to God by ourselves. Because every one of us, we are messy. Our thoughts are messy. Our desires are evil at some points. So we could never go to God by himself. Because he is holy. And so God sent his beloved son Jesus. Who came and lived a perfect life. And he died on the cross. Not for anything he did. But Jesus died on the cross. Bearing the punishment for every one of your sins and mine. And he rose again from the dead. So that any of us who believes in Jesus. Could have full and complete and total access to God. Through Jesus. We would all have settled for that. God sending his son to die for us. That would have been enough. We would have taken that and been happy. But God didn't stop there. When Jesus rose again from the dead and ascended to be with the Father, he sent his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God the Spirit who comes and dwells in the hearts of everyone who believes in Jesus to help them grow in their faith in Jesus. So it is this Holy Spirit that we are talking about in this sermon. That said, let's kind of move back to five specific ways in which the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. Five specific ways. These five points I'm going to touch upon. It has to be touch and go. I can't really dive into it. Each of these five points is perhaps a sermon in itself. And I'm sure you don't want to sit here till four o'clock. Five main ways in which the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. The first, regeneration. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ by bringing people to faith in Him. Please don't be shocked by what I'm about to say, but I speak biblical truth. Without the Holy Spirit, Jesus' death and resurrection is not going to save anybody. Jesus' death and atonement, God purchased the atonement for our sins. But even that atonement does not help us until we have faith to believe in the atoning work of Christ. And as we saw over the last couple of weeks, only the Holy Spirit can give us this faith to believe. Or think about it like this. Just because Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead, are all the people in the world saved? No. Only those who believe in this receive the joy of eternal life. And how do we believe in this? Only by the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can bring us to faith in Jesus. And that's what we referred to last week as the internal witness 
of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit regenerates our hearts even when we do not believe in Him and He brings our hearts to faith in Jesus. That's the first way the Holy Spirit glorifies Christ. The second way the Holy Spirit glorifies Christ is assurance. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ by helping us to experience and enjoy what Jesus did for us. Galatians chapter 4 verse 6, Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit enables us to experience the assurance of our adoption by God the Father. The Holy Spirit births in our hearts an assurance of our eternal salvation. And Christ is glorified by the Holy Spirit when we experience the full assurance of our salvation. Third, mission. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ by empowering us for mission. Acts chapter 1-8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses, witnesses of Christ in Jerusalem and, in, and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. In this verse, it's pretty clear that the power of the Holy Spirit is there for us only to bear witness of Christ. If you take away bearing witness to Christ, there is no power of the Holy Spirit. The whole reason we have the power of the Holy Spirit, as this verse assures us, is that we might be witnesses to Christ. Fourth, sanctification. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ by illuminating God's word to our hearts and by empowering us to living this out. This is right there in the passage we looked at today. Verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. What do you think this verse means? I can tell you what this verse does not mean. This verse does not mean that the Holy Spirit will tell you who to marry in life. This verse does not mean the Holy Spirit will tell you which job to take. This verse does not mean that the Holy Spirit will tell you whether to move, look for a new job or stay in this job. That's not the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit may choose to guide us like that. But that's not what this verse is talking about. This verse is saying, when the, Holy, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. What do you think all truth really means in this verse? It means two things. First, truth means the person of Christ Himself. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And second, the word all truth here means God's word. How do you think the Holy Spirit leads us to the person of truth, Jesus? He leads us to the person of truth, Jesus, through the word of God. He illuminates God's word and, and enables us to live according to it. God's word, the, the canon of scripture, the Bible, is the truth that the Holy Spirit will lead us into. The Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. Yes, so many men and women over centuries wrote the Bible, wrote different parts, different chapters of the Bible, but they were all inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit worked for centuries 
to bring the canon of scripture or the Bible to us. Having worked for centuries to author the Bible, do you think the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you without you reading or understanding or living according to the Bible? Having spent centuries authoring the Bible, do you think the Bible, the Holy Spirit is going to set the Bible aside and start speaking to you directly about everything that you need to do in your life if you're not reading what He worked to give you for centuries? You know, sadly, I know a lot of people who try to major on spiritual gifts. We believe in spiritual gifts as a church, so please don't hear me wrong. I'm going to clarify that some more. But sadly, there are a lot of people who major in spiritual gifts with, by, and they hardly ever, hardly ever read and meditate on the Bible. In my pastoral conversations, sadly, I've come across many people who hardly ever read the Bible, but they come and tell me the Holy Spirit told them to do this, the Holy Spirit told them to do that. This is questionable. The Holy Spirit will speak to us in any way possible. He speaks, he speaks to us in dreams. He speaks to us in visions. He can speak to us through prophetic words. He is free to speak to us in any way he wants, but the Holy Spirit will predominantly speak to us through God's word. It's highly unlikely he's going to be speaking to us consistently if we are not devoting ourselves to reading, meditating, and praying through God's word. So the Holy Spirit not only awakens in our hearts a real desire to read God's word, Not only does he illuminate God's word to our hearts, but the Holy Spirit also empowers us to live according to God's word. And this is what the Bible calls sanctification. Number five, equipping. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ by equipping believers with spiritual gifts for mission and ministry. There are two kinds of spiritual gifts. Gifts that edify believers and gifts that equip us to be on mission to the world. I want to invite you to just take 30 seconds now. And in those 30 seconds, list in your mind the top three or five spiritual gifts that come to your mind. List it in your mind. You're not going to have to share it with anyone. Just list in your mind the top three or five spiritual gifts that come to mind. Now hold on for a minute. Let me tell you something now. There's another way to classify spiritual gifts. Just like we saw gifts that edify the body of Christ, gifts that equip us to be on mission to the world. There are two other ways in which you can classify spiritual gifts. They are the miraculous spiritual gifts and the non-miraculous spiritual gifts. When we pray in faith, sometimes people get healed. Not every time, sometimes people get healed. When they get healed, who gets healed is the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit. And, And that's a miraculous spiritual gift. But there are also the non-miraculous spiritual gifts. Hospitality. It's a non-miraculous spiritual gift. There's nothing miraculous about hospitality, lovingly having people over at your home and serving them. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 to 8, one of the central passages for the the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, talks about both miraculous and non-miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit. It talks about non-miraculous gifts uh, like serving, like generosity. Non-miraculous gifts. Now, remember I asked you to make a list of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your mind? How many of those were miraculous gifts? And how many of those were the non-miraculous gifts? The problem is that some of us only think 
of the miraculous spiritual gifts. We overemphasize the miraculous spiritual gifts and underemphasize the non-miraculous spiritual gifts like serving, generosity, hospitality. These are all mentioned in the Bible as spiritual gifts. And to only focus on the miraculous gifts is an unhealthy and unbiblical view of spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit. And Romans chapter 12 places equal emphasis on both the miraculous and non-miraculous spiritual gifts. There are so many non-miraculous spiritual gifts. Generosity, for example. Thank God generosity is a non-miraculous spiritual gift. If it was a miraculous spiritual gift, miraculously money will go from your bank account every month to wherever there is need in the world. If, if generosity had been a miraculous spiritual gift, all our bank accounts would have been emptied and gone to help people suffering in Palestine, both sides of the water. If generosity had been a non-miraculous spiritual gift, none of you have to bother about tithing ever. The Holy Spirit will automatically, miraculously transfer that every month. Those of you who've come home and, and enjoyed the worship team, mostly, almost every week, You've come home to enjoy Aji's hospitality. I can assure you, Aji doesn't go into the kitchen and pray, Jesus, let there be salad, let there be food. No, she has the spiritual gift of cooking food to host, to serve people with joy in her hearts. And I'm sure many of you have non-miraculous spiritual gifts. We must not overemphasize or underemphasize either. We need a balanced view. Let me now recap the five main ways the Holy Spirit glorifies Christ. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ by bringing people to faith in Him. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ by helping us to experience and enjoy what Jesus did for us. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ by empowering us for mission. The Holy Spirit glorifies us by illuminating God's Word to our hearts and empowering us to live it out. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ by equipping believers with spiritual gifts, and I say yes and amen, with spiritual gifts, miraculous and non-miraculous, for missions and ministry. Now let me give you the biblical framework that I promised at the beginning of the sermon. A biblical framework, framework that can help us to evaluate whether we hold a biblical and true and healthy view of the Holy Spirit. Look at the five ways predominant ways that the Holy Spirit glorifies Christ. Are you overemphasizing one or two of these? Are you underemphasizing one or two of these? Are you overemphasizing spiritual gifts so much that you're neglecting the joyful discipline and allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate God's word to us? Are you overemphasizing the Holy Spirit's ministry of eliminating God's word to us and completely underemphasizing his work of empowering us to mission? Just because you read the Bible every day, are you thinking you are a super Christian? I mean, we may not be sharing about Jesus to anyone. Are we overemphasizing any one of those? The Holy Spirit always glorifies Christ, glorifies Christ through all of these five ways. That's, the whole, that's what the whole counsel of God's word tells us. It's a good framework, a biblical, robust biblical framework in which we should evaluate ourselves. Is our view of the Holy Spirit biblical and balanced? 
Let me now close with one last thought. Let's go back to verse 7, the, the central passage we're looking at this morning. Verse 7 uh, from John 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. We saw what it meant, what Jesus meant when he said that if he does not go away, the helper will not come. But what did Jesus mean when he said, it is to your advantage that I go away? Did Jesus mean that the Holy Spirit is going to replace Jesus? Did Jesus mean that the time he lived is the era of, era of Jesus and after that is the era of the Holy Spirit? Is that what Jesus meant? That, that the Holy Spirit is going to replace Jesus in our times? I don't think so. I don't think so because the Bible tells us otherwise. At the time of just before his ascension, one of the last words Jesus told his disciples seems to contradict, seems to contradict what Jesus is saying earlier. Look at Matthew chapter 28 verse 20. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. The ascending Christ is telling his disciples that even though he's ascending, he is still with us till the end of the age. Jesus is always with us till the end of the age. And this is interesting. If Jesus is still with us, then it clearly means that the Holy Spirit did not replace Jesus. When Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I go away, what he meant was that only when he is crucified and risen and ascended, will the Holy Spirit come to glorify Christ in our world. When Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I go away, it does not mean the Holy Spirit will replace Jesus. It only means that this is where the Holy Spirit can glorify Christ even more. After the death and resurrection and ascension of Christ, the Holy Spirit can glorify Jesus even more. The Holy Spirit does not replace Jesus. The Holy Spirit magnifies Jesus more and more. Every ministry of the Holy Spirit, every work of the Holy Spirit magnifies Christ in our hearts and in our world more and more. John chapter 16 verse 14, the primary work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, is to glorify Christ. Would you allow, would we allow the Holy Spirit to magnify Christ more and more in and through every single aspect of our lives. Let us pray. Father, we open our hearts wide to receive your Holy Spirit in every one of our hearts, in the hearts of everyone who believes in Jesus, that by the Holy Spirit, we may glorify Jesus more and more in every single aspect of our lives. Help us, Lord. Help us to grow in all the five ways in which the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. Every one of them, Lord. Help our 
growth, help our understanding and help our experience of the Holy Spirit be true and wholesome and biblical. In areas where we are lagging, help us grow. We recognize none of us are perfect. Each of us are lagging in one or two or maybe all five of those. That's reality, Lord. So help us to grow into a wholesome and biblical experience of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.